Welcome to the Queer Body Podcast, where we are redefining the edges of identity and healing with your host, Dr. Laura Polak, a somatic healer and chiropractor. Let's join the podcast. Welcome to the Queer Body. I am very excited to announce our new website, thequeerbody.com, T-H-E-Q-U-E-E-R-B-O-D-Y.com. With all of the things that are happening in our world, in politics land, please ask for a code to join our membership. You're welcome to talk to people in your community. We have a BIPOC community. We have a trans community. If you are needing support and you want to talk to other people like you, please join our community and you can talk to others. Today, I am delighted to bring a friend, colleague, podcaster that we're meeting for the first time to our show. So Nick Venagoni goes with He They. He's a holistic psychotherapist, podcaster, sound healing and meditation facilitator based on the unceded Ohlone territory, San Francisco, California. He works to support the queer folks to heal from trauma and anxiety, to create more joyful lives and fulfilling relationships. He was raised Catholic in the suburbs of Southern California and has had the privilege of exploring many spiritual paths. Nick's primary spiritual practices these days include earth-based wisdom, Buddhist psychology, mindfulness meditation, and sound healing. He has many works that he's offering to our communities, which I will put down in the footer but let's get to it. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted. So I always like to start with just your definition of what does it mean to you to be queer, Nick? Yeah, I thought a lot about this. And for me, I feel like my queerness is not just about my sexuality or my gender identity. Mm-hmm. Because I'm 45, I'm almost 46. And when I started to come out in the late 90s, you know, we weren't really using those words. At that time, it was still kind of a derogatory statement about us. And, you know, I w- came out as just a gay man. And I thought, okay, this is who I am. This is what I'm doing. But then when queer started to come more into the vernacular for us and our languaging, It resonated with me. I mean, I still identify as a gay man, but I also identify as queer. And for me, the queerness is more about just how I still feel different. I like the way that the association of queer with being weird or different or outside the norm. Right. Because even within the kind of gay male community, I still felt like an outsider. I never really felt like I fit in to that sort of mainstream within that subtext. And growing up in my family, I always felt a little bit different, a little bit queer, mm. um, which was probably my, my queerness coming out. But then even just like my beliefs about the world, my spiritual practices and that kind of thing, I've always still felt a little bit queer. I mean, here in the Bay Area, I don't feel so queer because I'm with a lot of other queer people who have sort of similar identities and practices and beliefs. But within the larger context of the world, of, you know, our country, of the globe, I still feel pretty queer. You know, I don't really see a lot of myself in terms of like my practices or my beliefs in terms of people reflected in the media, that kind of thing. Would you be willing to tell me a little bit about like, what does it, what would make you an outsider? Why would you feel that way? 
Well, I recognize that, you know, I'm for the most part cis-ish, as I like to say, mm-hmm. um, you know, white male in in the United States. And with that comes a lot of privilege. Yeah. But whenever I have seen other people that sort of, you know, quote unquote, look like me, I just don't feel like I didn't really feel like I fit in with them. I was just like, I don't really have the same desires or the same beliefs or the same goals that you have, you know, especially in white gay male culture. It's still a lot about like body image and sex and achievement. And then even within non-queer or just white male culture, there's a lot of pressure to like succeed and be successful and, and make money and that kind of thing. And, you know, those I've always said to myself, like, I'm not so interested in being successful or being popular or being famous or wealthy. I just want to be happy. You know, I just want the things that that I want to have that bring me comfort and bring me joy. And I just want to be happy. Right. And, you know, so when I see people striving for those things or even just like nightlife, you know, as I said, when I was first coming out, you know, a lot of people like and even now a lot of young queer people, I think they still struggle to find queer community outside of environments where like bars or where there are substances where they feel like, oh, that's not really for me. You know, I've never been a big partier. I'm a little bit more of an introvert than an mm-hmm. extrovert. So there's just ways that I always kind of feel like, oh, like I'm still not quite fitting in here. But as more and more, more people identify with queerness and more ways just in the dominant culture of difference being celebrated and being okay, you know, I feel a little bit more comfortable with it. I appreciate you saying that. I think that that is, you know, kind of a running thread for people about what it means to be queer is just that celebration of difference. And the part that's really funny is that when I started the show, it was because um, back in the 90s when I was out or yeah, early 90s, Queer Nation was like, we were all of the weirdos. You know, Mm -hmm. and I finally felt like, yay, weirdos, right? But now queer is becoming kind of ubiquitous again. Mm -hmm. And then everybody who comes on the show has been talking about queer as different, that we fit outside the box. And so then it seemed like a very natural pairing for me to bring in this idea of, hey, you know, it may seem like if I was to say that you are a therapist, that's a pretty normal box. You fit mm-hmm. in with all these other therapist types. But then we start looking at what you've been doing with the world, with your spirituality and consciousness, with sound therapies and other things. Do you want to tell me, like, how have you clarified your healing work? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Because, again, even among other like queer or gay therapists, you know, they kind of do a little bit more traditional style <laughs> psychotherapy, talk therapy kind of work, psychodynamic, you know, CBT, that kind of thing. You know, and I have training in that, but, you know, the school that I went to uh, focus on what's called transpersonal or integral psychology, which brings a little bit more of the holistic and the spiritual aspect to it, which I really appreciated. And then even after I finished school, I got really interested in learning more about hypnotherapy and shamanic practice and started to weave that that into my psychotherapy practice. 
And that's a pretty queer thing for the majority of psychotherapists. I mean, again, it's not as rare here in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if I were to talk to probably a therapist in Denver or Boston or New York, even there might not be as many people who are like doing, you know, hypnotherapy from a shamanic perspective or doing somatic practices where we're really looking at like the energy systems in the body and or talking to people about their religious or their spiritual practices and how that is supportive to them in their work. You know, and I'm also being, you know, I'm not super into astrology, but I'm a Gemini. And so I'm one of those people who I'm interested in a lot of different things. And so I'm always like learning here and there about different modalities and practices. And even though I'm not trained, you know, from my graduate program in somatic psychology, you know, I've been really interested in a lot of different somatic practices and even experienced a lot of them myself. And I really enjoy learning about those and helping people get more in touch with their body. But I am trained in a particular modality that's called neuroaffective touch, which is a somatic-based modality for working with trauma. Yeah, so I bring that and the hypnotherapy and I also practice EMDR, which is, you know, fairly well known in the world of psychology. Um, and then also, listeners, we, they may not know some of these terms, so if if you would break it down. I know for for me, as a mm-hmm. chiropractor, people very rarely know that there's over 700 types of chiropractic yeah. and there's all these energetic forms and what what is somatics. And in our world, we all know what we're talking about. But sometimes mm-hmm. my listeners are like, I have no idea what, what he's talking <laughs> about. Like, what is that? Or that there's even many types of therapy you can go to. We kind yeah. of have the illusion that, you know, you sit down in a chair or lay back, lay down in the old mm-hmm. school and tell the world your problems. So can you tell us a little bit about the different styles that you work with just for my people who may be beginners? Yeah. So I generally start most of my clients on with general kind of like come in and we talk and we're just talking, you know, we're, we're in our mind, we're in our thoughts, we're in our feelings. Mm-hmm. But as a body worker yourself, you understand that, you know, there's a lot of information that's held in our body. And I think in our culture overall, that we are very much in our heads, at mm-hmm. least here in the United States, I know. But, you know, trauma is held in the body, but wisdom and knowledge and memory are held in the body, emotions are held in the body. And, you know, I grew up being pretty much in my head and also very much in the world of fantasy. And just within my family, you know, my family was not very into sports or anything like that for the most part. So it wasn't really something that was encouraged in me. And then also being gay and being queer, I wasn't really interested in sports and that kind of thing. So my body was very foreign to me. And then, you know, once I got into yoga and stuff like that, I started learning more about that. So I work with people to really tune in to like when they have an emotion arise, I sometimes will ask, well, how do you notice that in your body? Like what kinds of energy or sensation do you feel in your body? Um, And a lot of people are connected to that and a lot of people aren't. So it's really about just getting them to tune into their bodies. You know, the way that we may hold, you know, a common experience everyone has is butterflies in the stomach, right? You know, that's a really good way of noticing like how we feel anxiety. But then when we feel grief or sadness, you know, we may feel that as a tightness in our chest. Or when we feel anger, we may feel that in our head and our face, our face may get flushed. 
Um, a lot of people sometimes feel tightness in the arms or the hands, you know, kind of like they want to hit something or punch something. They feel energy and sort of tension in their forearms or some part of their hand. Or sometimes with fear, people feel energy in their legs or their feet because it's kind of like the flight response kicks in and they want to run. So it's interesting just to get people to start to tune into that energy and other people can tell me all about the sensations they feel in their body, but they're disconnected from the emotion. Mm. So then we sort of do the same thing, but backwards. You know, it's like, oh, okay, you notice this kind of energy in your body, but like you're having uh, trouble, not really, you don't really have the words to talk about like what the emotion is. And so we tune into like, well, what could that be? So they That's can great. learn to understand um, and interpret their experience a little bit more. Wonderful. I really appreciate that. You know, when I do somatic coaching, we also just even look at how people are holding themselves. Mm -hmm. like, you know, for yeah. those who get to listen to this on YouTube, you might see how we're holding ourselves and have mm -hmm. some sort of experience. But you know, many people have documented that most of communication is not with words. Mm -hmm. And also when you bring in the spiritual piece, mm -hmm. like how is it different if you are feeling connected to source? Yeah. Or you're feeling disconnected. How does that change your body? Exactly. Um, I do have a challenging question to ask you, which you can feel free to say, nope, I'm not answering that. Mm -hmm. But I appreciate your acknowledging, you know, your privilege as a white man. Mm -hmm. And I'm always curious when white people at all say shamanism. Because mm -hmm. I go, hmm, that feels off to me. Yeah. Can you speak about that for me? Yeah, I actually really appreciate you bringing that up because that's something that I've struggled with for myself for probably 10 years or so now. And the main reason I use that word is because that's what most people understand or a lot of people understand what, what I mean when I say that. As opposed to if I say something a little bit more specific like animism, like that word is not really used as commonly. And animism is a more... Western academic word, which is just the idea or the belief that all aspects of nature, whether they be animals or plants or trees or mountains or lakes or streams, have some kind of consciousness or personhood to them. Mm -hmm. And so I would say that animism is a part of shamanism, but it's still not, it doesn't encounter some other aspects of it. And, you know, I try to educate people. I didn't want to use this platform. I wasn't going to sort of get on a soapbox or anything. But since you're asking, you know, I'm happy to share that for people listening who don't know shamanism or shaman is a word that comes from a very specific area of Siberia, which talks about people who do, quote unquote, medicine work or energy work or spiritual practice. And to my understanding, the word shamanism was made popular by an anthropologist named Michael Harner, who's a white man, and also another anthropologist, and I may not be saying their name correctly, named Mircea Eliade, who wrote a book called Shamanism, maybe even before Michael Harner did his work. And so those two people really brought that term and that idea to the larger, broader Western white academic culture, and it became very popular. But I do know people who are from have Siberian descent and people who are of Native American descent who don't like that that word has been appropriated and used incorrectly. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so I, I do my best to try to educate people saying when I use this word, I'm using it for shorthand as opposed to giving you this long laundry list of explanation. So it is a challenging thing to confront and to talk about. 
but I'm glad that you're bringing it up and I'm happy to talk to people about it more. Thank you. I appreciate you willing to speak to it. I did have the privilege of doing a, um, gosh, what was it? It was a very hot, wet sauna with a bunch of Siberian women um, shamans Mm -hmm. and um, did a shaman healing with them. It was very intense. And I think that the that again, the general populace, you know, it's so interesting. It's a queer show. So I mm-hmm. think understanding the queering of the idea is helpful for me. And then also just wondering, again, like if we were to break it down so that we're talking across many lives, what would it mean if I was to engage your shaman services? Like, wh- what does that mean? Like in the vernacular? Yeah. So based on the way I was taught, you know, for me, shamanic practice is about engaging with the wisdom and the intelligence of the earth and all aspects of the earth from a spiritual perspective. So just kind of like that animistic perspective, you know, tuning into the wisdom and the energy of the earth. And that can even just be like, what do we actually see with our with our human eyes in this ordinary reality that we are learning based on what nature is telling us about weather or about the way that animals you know are behaving in a particular environment or even like right now you know i'm i'm in a course where we're doing some work with an herbalist about like tuning into the spiritual wisdom of particular plants you know just regular medicinal plants and um, i'm working with yarrow and there are things that different herbs and plants do on a molecular level that affect us physically Mm-hmm. But there are ways that that can be interpreted and seen how they affect us on more subtle levels, be that psychological levels or emotional levels or even spiritual levels. And so that's kind of where that sort of is heading. These days, most of the work that I may do that uses tools or practices is with my hypnotherapy practice, which um, blends a bit of shamanic practice into it. Or teaching people how to do what is called, quote unquote, the shamanic journey, which again is something that comes from Michael Harner. So in most cultures that have some kind of medicine person practice or quote unquote shamanic practice, and this includes people who have heritage in white culture. So even in Northern European and Celtic culture, as well as Africa, Asia, Pacific Island, etc., They all have similar but different ways of doing what's called a journey. And that journey is done by going into an altered state. And that can be through a substance or it can be through sound often. And so I was taught to do it sober with sound. And so we would do that with either a drum or a rattle and just playing at a steady beat, which takes you into an altered state. And then by going into the altered state, there are different ways of tuning into guidance in the wisdom of nature to ask for help and support and just helping people understand aspects of themselves. And I always come with an open mind and a little bit of skepticism as well, because I think that people don't have to believe necessarily. You know, if people are a little bit more in their mind from a psychological perspective, they can think of this as just a dream or an analogy that there's a part of you you know, your wise self that is able to help you understand some of these things or people who are on the other end of the spectrum and have a very deep connection to their spiritual practice. They can say, well, this is actually the spirit of this plant or this animal or this tree or this rock that is giving me information about myself or about my life. You know, for example, can I ask you a quick question in there? Mm -hmm. I live in Sebastopol, California. 
mm-hmm. which is full of people who talk to rocks and flowers and <laughs> and whatnot. And so we have a lot of people who are like bullshit. They're just mm-hmm. trying to get your money. Mm-hmm. So if I was to engage with animistic medicine mm-hmm. in some way, and how would I know that the person wasn't a charlatan just trying to clean my aura by blowing in my, like, how do you know what's authentic and real? Yeah. What's BS? Yeah, that's a good question. And then sometimes, you know, it's hard to know because sometimes we want to believe something. It's just like if someone goes to see a psychic or a tarot reader and right. just like they tell us something about our future or something, you know, we may want to believe. And sometimes it's a placebo effect and sometimes it's, you know, quote unquote real or who knows. But again, sort of coming back to the body, mm-hmm. you know, for me, what I really encourage people is like, well, what feels right for you? Right? And how can we sort of like let any fear, anxiety or hope or projection go and just tune into like what feels true and right, right? I'm so with you on um, that. The body always is, the body will tell you if somebody's a charlatan yeah, or yeah, if somebody's speaking. Yeah. But the way that, that I work, you know, when I teach people how to do the shamanic journey, I'm not doing anything for them or to them. I'm I'm teaching them how to use a tool Mm-hmm. And then they get to have the experience themselves. You know, I teach people to do the shamanic journey and I don't say, you know, we're going to go do this thing and then this is going to happen. You know, I'll say, so what we might do is we might journey to to this particular world. And I would encourage you to connect with an animal spirit that may show up and ask if they're your guide and then ask them a question and see what they say. And then people can tune in to like, well, whether or not that feels right or true or good for them. And oftentimes people will come back and it will feel almost like a dream, like, well, this happened, this happened, this happened, but I don't really know what it means. And so then I spend time talking with them about like what that might mean, like how we might interpret that. And so then maybe there I might be doing a little bit more, but I'm always tuning into asking them to tune into themselves because it's just like with dream interpretation, you know, you may have two different people who have a dream about a snake, right? But Snakes don't mean the same thing for everyone because someone may love snakes because they have a pet snake and someone may hate snakes because they got bit by a snake a long time ago. And so they have fear around that. And so it just depends on like what that means to them. This is really important. So I want to kind of highlight it for people. Mm-hmm. And that is just what Nick is speaking to is autonomy. You yes. know, it's like as long as the person who's guiding you is bringing you back to yourself in your own judgment, Mm -hmm. then I think you're probably working with somebody authentic. When somebody is kind of explaining to you who you are and what you are, then we have a problem, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's really very important to me with this show, with the work that I do, that we keep coming back home to ourselves and making the story for ourselves because me as a woman is going to interpret it differently than you as a man who's going to interpret differently. But the person who's experiencing the image is coming to them for whatever healing that has to occur within them. Mm-hmm. So I really appreciate you bringing it back to them with guidance. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the point of hiring someone is that you want the guidance, but yeah. it doesn't mean that we're the map makers. You're yeah. the map maker, we're the guider. Yeah. And I think that's a really important thing that you bring in. Yeah. And then with that, of course, I always like to come to the part of like, Hey, do you have something that my people at home could practice? Like either on a journey, would you, I don't know if you could take us on a short journey or I had a fantasy that we do some sound work because Mm -hmm. I love 
working with sound and it hasn't been talked about on the show, but whatever speaks to you, is there something you would guide us in? Sure. We can, we can do a little sound and journey practice. If that mm, feels wonderful. Good. Okay, great. So what I invite people to do who are listening is if you are able to, so I wouldn't do this if you're driving or operating any machinery, but just take some time to find a time and a space to be quiet and be undisturbed. And you can do this either sitting or laying down or standing, whatever feels good to you. And just take some time to either close your eyes or take a soft gaze to begin to tune in to your inner awareness. And just noticing your breath without changing it. And if you'd like to bring in some sound just to sort of smooth out the edges of your mind, body, and spirit, I'll just take a few ahs. I'm breathing in. Ah. And then again, and this time maybe as a tone. Ah. Allowing the sound vibration to unify and connect your being. And one more. Ah. And as you focus on your breath, just noticing now how it is almost like a bridge between your outer world and your inner world. And with each breath, allowing yourself to draw more and more closely into your inner world. And using all of your inner senses, and perhaps imagining or sensing or feeling a place in nature where you feel safe and at peace. And allowing that bridge of your breath to bring you into that place in nature. And when your breath has guided you and you've landed in that place, that place in nature where you feel safe and at peace, whatever feels good to you and your body, and your heart, and your spirit, just using all of your senses to see what you can see or hear, feel or smell, I'm looking all around you now, I'm just noticing what about this environment brings you peace and calm. And noticing if there's anything in particular that may be drawing your attention. It may be a flower or a stone tree, an animal, a body of water, or some other thing, or maybe it's just a, a feeling or a sound that you hear in this place that is drawing your attention. The sound of the wind in the trees, or the water lapping at the bank, or an animal in the distance. Or it could even just be the entire spirit or energy of the place where you are. And just noticing how that thing that draws you here to this place makes you feel again, tuning into your body and your heart. Noticing physical sensations you may feel in your body as you tune into that thing or this place. 
or an emotional state that it inspires in you. And just really taking your time to drink that in and feel that connection to this experience in that place. And opening to the possibility that this place or that being has wisdom and knowledge and support to offer you. And remembering this can be a relationship just like any other relationship that we ask with curiosity for help, sincerity, generosity, reciprocation, and gratitude. And perhaps this may be a relationship you want to foster and cultivate, come back to at any time for any guidance or support, perhaps in a dream or meditation or some other practice that you may have. And taking a moment to thank this place, this energy or this being for being with you in this way today offering gratitude in whatever way feels good to you. And turning your awareness back to your breath and finding yourself returning back along the path the same way that you came, going back across that bridge of the breath from the inner world to the outer world, beginning to feeling the breath moving through your body, Feeling your body supported by the surface underneath you. Perhaps noticing the light filtering through your eyelids or any sounds around you. And slowly beginning to stretch or move your body, maybe wiggling your fingers or your toes. Taking all the time you need to find yourself coming back to the room and opening your eyes in your own time. Thank you very much. This is one of the benefits of doing this program. It's so wonderful for me to get these little guided things for my own self. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah, thank you for inviting that. Mm-hmm. So as I kind of bring myself back to being here with you all on the air, <laughs> I will um, mention that he does, you, you work both in person and online, isn't that correct? Yes, I do. So you had a couple of places where people could um, work with you online. Will you give us that information here? Yeah. So you can find me at holistictherapysf.com or also at queerhealingjourneys.com. The holistic therapy is more of my psychotherapy practice and the holistic or queer healing journeys as more of the the queer work, um, some coaching or sound healing work. I also have my own podcast called The Queer Spirit, and I'm just starting the sixth season and invited in a new co-host, Tanya Mark Oviedo. And we have been building the season, and also we, separate from the podcast, Tanya Mark and I also uh, co-facilitate a monthly online free breathwork and meditation circle on the first Saturday of the month at 9.30 a.m. Pacific. 
And uh, I also offer a free um, self-paced course, mini course called The Self-Confident Queer about building confidence and identifying needs and boundaries. And I think that's about it. As if that wasn't enough. That was plenty. (laughs) (laughs) So I thank you very much for being here. And I'm sure that everybody's going to get a lot out of hearing what you have to say, as well as giving us a moment to be with ourselves. So I really appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you for having me and allowing me to share some of this with you all. You've been listening to the Queer Body Podcast, where we are redefining the edges of queer identity and healing. For more information about Dr. Laura Polak or our podcast, check out our website, communityholistichealth.com. Thank you for listening.